0: Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. I faced it all And I stood tall And did it my
1: way Welcome once again to Know Your Legal Rights. My name is Don Crawford Jr., the owner of KWAM God Country, Texas, 770 AM on the dial. And I am sitting with, uh, virtually sitting with, my co-host, my partner, my attorney, my friend, actually my very good friend, Michael I. Cohen. Hello, Michael.
2: Oh, my goodness. What does the I stand for? Uh, as you know, my middle initial is B. Okay. Uh, so uh, is that for Independence Day or because we had that uh, recently or is it no. for
1: else? No, unfortunately. Okay. It stands for what, what word comes to mind first when we talk about estate planning It starts with an I. As a test. Poor guy. Inheritance. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what Michael does. He protects inheritance uh, for individuals, especially KWM listeners, and that's why he's been doing this show for five, six years. I think I've lost count why he's been doing his workshops, and uh, he's done those for four, five, six years now, Michael, the workshops? Actually, seven and a half years. Seven and a half, wow. I don't believe that, yeah. so... That must be what a hundred workshops, maybe at least.
2: Uh, well, we we started off by doing them on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. and then um, we started doing them every three weeks because they became popular, and now during the pandemic, uh, we're doing them even more frequently. So uh, we're having one, let's say, for example, on July eighteenth and then mm-hmm. July thirtieth. So they we're doing them every usually about twice a month now.
1: So that's so. at least a hundred.
2: Yeah, So whatever that is, uh, uh, that's how many we've been doing, and Excellent. I've, I've lost count. So that, yes. I, I don't well, have my my little calculator with <laughs> me
1: right now. <laughs> well, he does them in his sleep, basically, because he's done so many of them, and they are very beneficial, and they are. The next ones are online, just like Michael and I are talking on the phone, like we have since the pandemic started in March, uh, to keep distancing and um, continue to uh, adhere to uh, Texas protocol at all times. So we do the the program over the telephone, and Michael does his workshops online or virtually so that uh, there's continued social distance, but you never have to leave your home for those workshops, and we're going to talk about those in about 15 minutes. But I started the program with uh, Michael I. Cohen as an inheritance, and Michael wants to talk about that today because he'd mentioned to me before the show that I think today the audience needs to realize what the facts are and ultimately, what the ten benefits are of not receiving gifts that people inherit directly but indirectly? And Michael, can you elaborate on that today for us?
2: Well, there's a lot of times there's you know a lot of times people think that okay, I'll just have a beneficiary designation, um, you know, like on an IRA, or perhaps you have a bank account that's joint or has a beneficiary designation. Et cetera, then they think, okay, it just goes directly to my spouse or kids or whomever it may be. And that's all that matters is how to transfer assets. Um, you could even avoid probate, etc., but it fails to consider the situation of whoever the beneficiary is and if you want to protect them from bad things. Mm-hmm. So I thought today that we might talk about 10 from a planner's perspective. What are ten bad things that could happen if somebody receives it directly that we would might want to protect against because we don't know what the future might hold right. and is that important to whoever has the asset that their beneficiary is protected? do we do things for the benefit of our family uh, and as opposed to Uh, somebody else. So do we want to protect our family? So that's what I thought we might want to talk about today is 10 different situations that if you want to protect your family on different situations, at least you should be aware of those things. Great. First one I would talk about would be credit protection. Now, so let's say you give something to whether it's your spouse or your children directly. Okay. Now, let's say even if you had a big old life insurance policy. Uh, you gave uh, whatever the amount is that you think is large, and it received by your spouse or your children, um, or whoever your beneficiary is. Does that does that have you protected your family? And the or whoever that beneficiary is. And the answer is no, because what happens if that person gets sued? They may not be sued right now. But let's say they get in an accident, they didn't have adequate car insurance or something like that, or they, something happened on some sort of contractual agreement that they uh, held, were held liable. So, um, so if uh, somebody uh, sued you, then those assets that were you would have collected uh, would be subject to the creditors. However, if the assets are held in some sort of a trust a particular type of trust. So, if the trust is irrevocable, mm-hmm. um, then there could be creditor protection. So, so if I give to my spouse in a trust and have some restrictions, uh, let's say a, a standard as far as distributions, or if I give to my children instead of it going to them outright in my will, or in my, if I have a revocable trust or an irrevocable trust, instead of it going to them directly, it goes in. I call it a closed box. Mm-hmm. By having it go into that closed box, then you have protected that beneficiary from lawsuits. So it could be that they may not be—they may be perfectly okay right now. But who? We—we're not God. We don't know what the future holds. And anybody in our litigious society today could be sued at any time for things that we might not ever think of. Uh, so, so if you want to protect that family, you could do it with a trust within your will a trust within your trust.
1: And if it's a, in that closed box that you talked about, is it as easily accessible as if it were in a bank account?
2: Well, you could, you could do, to have credit protection, you could do it in one of two different ways. Um, so if you want the child to be the trustee of their own trust,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you could do it, one, where there's a standard, let's say, health, education, maintenance, and support. Mm-hmm. By the way, you could do the same thing for a spouse and the second way is if you wanted to have unlimited discretion you could have a co-trustee in other words let's say you had two children and you made one child as the uh, trustee but they had to get the permission even though they may be in charge uh, of the other child before there's a distribution by having just to merely ask for permission you have given credit or protection so you could but then you could give sole discretion to the child subject to the permission of the other child uh, to make distribution. So if they're basically in charge of their own money. It's just if what they want to protect it or not. Okay. So as long as it stays inside the box, inside that trust that's created within your will or that's created within your trust, then you've now protected your family or whoever that beneficiary is from lawsuits.
1: Excellent. Okay,
2: number two. The number two is, let's say, and in, in the same thing is applicable, but now it's a different situation. Uh, you could have irrevocable trust, but oh, some some kids, are, uh, in particular, some people are what they call spendthrifts. In other mm-hmm. words, as soon as they get the money, they spend it. Mm-hmm. So the difference here uh, is you might have you know, different distribution standards, but they, uh, the idea is you still have that irrevocable trust, but you probably have somebody else in charge. So in the mm-hmm. first example, the credit protection uh, example, we had it where maybe the child, for example, was in charge or was the trustee of their own trust. In a spendthrift um, trust, the usually you'll have somebody else because they this is the child that gets the money and spends it as soon as they get it. So to protect that child from themselves, there could be distribution standards. Oh, I will give a certain amount each month, or we have certain sort of uh, incentives. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll leave it to the sole discretion of this other person as far as distributions. Or maybe there's a percentage, or maybe we have to show that the person is um, doing investing wisely. There could be incentives within the trust. Uh, so you you have a spendthrift trust to protect the the beneficiary who spends the money as soon as they get it.
1: Mm.
2: So it's the sa- yes. same type of idea. It's just that who's in charge of the trust, because in the first example, the credit protection, we might have had the child uh, as an example or the spouse as the trustee of their own trust. But mm-hmm. the spendthrift trust usually have somebody else as the trustee because the spendthrift, well, they as soon as they get the money, they spend it.
1: Yep. Okay.
2: Very good. Makes perfect
1: sense. We've seen those disasters all the time, where someone wins the lottery and then they're broke within a year, or these children uh, inherit so much money and then they end up in jail on drugs. They die. All these awful things. So that, that's a great point that you make with number two. Okay. Number three, please.
2: It's just that some, yeah. It's just okay. that some people just, even if there's not any uh, the other issues, they just make you know that some people just yeah. live for today and they just spend that yeah. money immediately. Crazy. And in particular, nowadays, you know, it's it's tougher with COVID-19. Uh, people are hurting more. Um, yes. But that doesn't mean that uh, those people who have necessarily been a spendthrift before. Um, they make the money. They, they get the money. As, you spend it as soon as you get it. But uh, usually you'll just have some people that just, you know, they may be a, uh, they spend all their money on clothes or whatever it may be. Uh, and they just, uh, so you can protect them from themselves. Good. Okay, the, the third thing one. is a disability trust. Hmm. Um, so sometimes, we can't, since we're not God, we don't know what the future is. And mm-hmm. even if you don't have a beneficiary who is disabled now, who's to say that that person who's the beneficiary might, be dis- might not be disabled at the time that you pass? Now, if you're mentally disabled, how can you handle your own funds? Mm-hmm. And if you can't handle your own funds, then what would have to happen? You might, if you don't have a power of attorney, you may have to go to court to seek guardianship. Mm-hmm. Well, that's expensive, and you, right. you don't want to have to do that. Or maybe you're on public benefits like Medicaid. Medicaid is means-tested. And so if, by having the inheritance, you would jeopardize those valuable, you know, usually a lot of times it's for drug coverage or it could be long-term care costs. You could potentially lose the valuable public benefits if because it's public benefits are means tested. They look at your assets. So if you inherited money, then all of a sudden you lost that public benefit. Right. So instead of it going to that child directly or that beneficiary directly, whether it's a spouse, so, and if you had a will, if you said, well, uh, if my spouse is disabled, so let's say your spouse was in a nursing home and on Medicaid, instead of it having go to that uh, beneficiary directly and losing public benefits, it goes to that beneficiary in a trust that doesn't count for Medicaid. Same thing for a child. The child could become disabled, and later on, they could have had something bad happen to them. And, um, you know, things happen. People get COVID 19. We don't expect that. But in today, if you said at the beginning of the year, um, you know, what's a pandemic? <laughs> you know, we, yeah, right. we. I think some of the words that are now naturally in our vocabulary whether it's, um, uh, you know, flattening the curve or social distancing, we may not Mm -hmm. have even thought of at the beginning of the year. So who's to say that things won't change again in the future? Mm -hmm. So to say, so basically, uh, you might become uh, disabled, and I guess that's actually the fourth thing. It's not just disabled. The fourth uh, thing was public benefits uh, uh, planning. So it's not only disabled, so you could be, it might not be that you're, uh, you could just simply be disabled and, uh, and so you have a disability trust just because you're disabled. The fourth thing that you do need to protect, so I guess that should be number four, would be public benefits. And that is, mm-hmm. if you inherit directly, then since public benefits are means-tested, you would lose your public benefit. By the way, I should tell you, though, however, under Texas law uh, on this public benefits, if you have somebody who becomes disabled... Mm-hmm. And let's say he's on Medicaid. You could actually reform a will after the person died. In other mm-hmm. words, if I'm, um, um, let's say I gave something to my ch- one of my children, uh, and I died, and they didn't change my will. Well, the law changed. I believe it was in 2000. Gosh, it's I don't remember if it's been 15 or 17, but uh, probably 15. Uh, that as uh, so September first, two thousand and fifteen, if my memory is correct, the law in Texas is that you could go to court and change the will after your will after somebody, even if after you died, hmm. somebody could petition the court and say, "Look, if he would have known right. uh, that his child was disabled, he would have had it, a disability trust. Makes so sense. you could change it and actually create a trust within the will even after you die. However, so for that's Texas. more expensive. So it's better just to have it. So even in our simplest wills and in our simplest trust, we have a disability trust. We always have a, there's two types of provisions in our simple wills uh, that we have that are, because the disability or if somebody's underage are generally what we have uh, in in any situation. Uh, Because it could be a grandchild. Mm -hmm. So if your child predeceases you, you know, um, grandchild, uh, might be a beneficiary, so um, so we usually have an underage stress, which I guess I could say is number five. So uh, if you have, uh, because even if the person, let's say you had a, a child uh, and the child uh, predeceased you, and you had your and it says, oh, if my child predeceases me, it goes to the share that was going to go to my child is going to go to my grandchild. Well, the grandchild might be 15 years old. But even if they were 18, and that and that was the age of majority, would they spend the money immediately? And so usually you have a trust until the grandchild in the, in my example matures. Most commonly, most people say 25 or 30. So we talked about the health, education, maintenance, and support standard. So typically, uh, in a trust for a. Somebody that's young, so they don't spend the money. I always say, so they don't spend the money on a red sports car, uh, which is something I've been wanting to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, basically, you protect them from themselves because when you're young, you just okay, you just it's kind of like the spendthrift. You get the money, you might spend it immediately because you think you're invincible and that's, you have all your future ahead of you. But you know, young people get COVID-19 too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so bad things happen to to anybody, and, uh, but really the reason for an underage trust, I call it an underage and not a minority trust, is because uh, a lot of times people say, oh, you'll get your money, it could be used for you, even though you're not 25 or 30, it could be used for your education. Uh, and of course, we've talked on prior shows that sometimes you could even have incentives in that uh, underage trust. Right. uh say, oh, you have to have a certain GPA, so we have this for your benefit, but you have to have some skin in the game. Yes. You have to do uh, have a certain GPA, or you have to do this. Or you could have incentive trusts that say, you know, when you have a certain uh, certain amount of degrees, mm-hmm. or you might have an incentive to see how well you do financially if you have a certain mm-hmm. earnings that you could be in charge uh, sooner or something like that. So you could mm-hmm. do all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. So number five, so now we've talked about credit protection is one, spendthrift protection, the person who spends the money as soon as they get it, number two. We talked about disability. If you're just mentally out of it, uh, we don't want to have to seek guardianship. So that's number uh, four, I believe, or three, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the public benefits uh, uh, planning, if somebody was on public benefits, if they're disabled, would be number four. Now I've just mentioned the number five, the understated age beneficiary. Very good. To protect I mean, them from themselves.
1: Very good. And um, let's do some more protection dialogue here and, and talk about the next workshop because the first five benefits that Michael has talked about um, is extremely helpful, and a lot of them makes perfect sense. I don't know what doesn't here. Um, but So the next step is how do you do that? And the first step in that direction is to attend Michael's next workshop to ask questions um, so that you completely understand what it takes, because uh, our little mad scientist, Michael Cohen, has certain ways and means of making certain that you are protection, and it should be Michael P. Cohen, ultimately, because that's what he does for a living. And the workshop explains that better, not just during this program, but allows you to ask particular questions about your individual circumstances, which then leads to a private meeting, which is a vision meeting with Michael, um, so that you can go deep and he can lay out the plan for you so that you can understand exactly, as I mentioned before, how he does it. So, Michael, talk about the workshops first.
2: Yeah, this is, yeah, this is just a merely an educational-type uh, workshop. We, we feel like it's a process that you learn more and more as time goes by, if you get more into your own individual situation. But uh, So this is free. It's uh, no obligation. Uh, our next one is on July 18th, uh, and that is going to be on uh, Saturday. Uh, that is going to be at 10 o'clock a.m. It's free. What we do is it's virtual. In other words, we'll have somebody contact you, show you exactly what to do, make it really simple. All you have to do is click on a button. And then what happens is that you'll see a bunch of other people that are signed up for the workshop, It'll be uh, have questions, and we see what the questions are. It could be something as simple as what we've been talking about today, about wills or trust or powers of attorney. It could be about public benefits. We never know. Each workshop is different because every mm-hmm. time uh, we start off with asking, what is it that you want to know? We want to make sure that your time is well spent. So what we do is we ask that, and then we usually write it down, or at least I've written it down. A little bit different than when we had the ones in person, where we could actually see everybody's uh, things on writing as to what their question is. But we answered those questions within two hours, and it's uh, of course it's a workshop, so you, it's, it's virtual, so you you can do whatever it is, whenever you want. You're at your own home, you have your comfort as to doing uh, to listening at your leisure, and so. But it has to be at that time uh, because of course we don't record that. Uh, we So it's whatever it is that you want to know to sign up for that free virtual Estate Planning Essentials Workshop. All you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. DallasElderLawyer.com. I think you'll find that it's going to be very educational, and I'm hoping that some of y'all will find what we're talking about today is educational. And I think that you'll have some fun along the way as well, because we kind of illustrate it with usually when people ask questions, um, I'll you know, answer based on my experience, which I tell people now I'm an elder, elder law attorney because I'm um, getting to be um, seasoned, I guess you'd say. That's a nice way of saying being old. Uh, so, the uh, the bottom line is we kind of answer whatever your questions are, but a lot of times based on experience, and a lot of times we could tell a, a story uh, that would illustrate what your own individual situation might be. So, again, all you have to do is call that 214-720-0102. We make it really easy for you to join virtually. Uh, we're getting into the new norm, I guess. Uh, and we're making it easy for people to be participate. Very good. Now, Mike, uh, bear in mind uh, for all the
1: KWM listeners, too, or anyone listening to the the podcast that Michael has on his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com, understand that um, you don't have to participate in the um, video conference or the workshop uh, face-to-face. You can just do the audio part if it's a bad hair day. You don't want to see or be seen. You just want to hear it. And so you can do just audio only, which a lot of people prefer. All right, Michael, we have four minutes to address oh, the remaining five benefits.
2: Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, we'll I'll try to do those really quickly then. Um, one is if you have a premature death. Now, you might say, well, know, earlier we said that if everything goes, let's say, spouse and then children. But what if things go out of order? Let's say that the child dies after, well, maybe they even go in order. So you go, you say all to my spouse, and then to my child. And I say that goes to the child. The child's married, but then the child uh, gives everything to their spouse, who might get remarried. And you wanted things to go to your grandchild. Okay, so if you want to protect that child, you'd have it go into a trust as opposed to them outright. Another thing is the same thing would be applicable for your spouse. Let's say that um, that uh, your uh, it's, it's not only just having the what you're concerned about is it may go to somebody else that you wanted it to go to. In other words, if you give it to spouse, are you concerned that your spouse might remarry? So you could protect your spouse from remarriage issues. And also sometimes if you have large estates, you could do different things for estate tax purposes as well. You mentioned earlier one of the other things is addictions. People have gambling addictions or, or uh, alcohol addictions, mm-hmm. drug addictions. Again, you could use a trust for that as well. What happens if you have, say, everything goes to, my home goes equally to the three kids? Well, what happens if the three kids can't agree on selling or whatever? Right. Uh, if it's owned something owned together. So if you wanted to, you could have one person in charge, even though they each get their share, that you could have before it goes to them. So let's say you wanted to sell uh, the real estate, okay, my executor or my trustee, they have the one person that I trust the most. They have the ability to look at the situation, pay the bills, then distribute to the respective uh, trust uh, or to the to the beneficiaries individually uh, by having one person in charge. So a lot of times when you let's say, you know, a lot of times we'll have, let's say, a ladybird deed. We've talked about ladybird deeds in the past and the, where, say, the a home goes directly to, let's say, three children. If the three children don't agree, then you got stalemate. So a lot of times you, you might have the deed go into a trust where only one person is in charge. Another thing that could be um, uh, protected against is financial aid. If you have, um, so let's say you have a grandchild that uh, or child, perhaps, that is entitled that may be wanting to go to college, and of course they may. A lot of times in these expensive days for college, they look at not only what assets you have, uh, and of course if things the grandchild received something directly, then that would be a problem because they have too much assets. Very good. Or the the other problem is if if you even if the parent had set up a trust, so you could design the trust in a different way, where the grandparent sets it up. Uh, and so that it's not necessarily in charge of that, that trust being in charge uh, by the parent so that the grandchild would get their financial aid. So sometimes uh, so there there's different rules for getting financial aid that you have to report, but otherwise you could design the trust so that the grandchild gets that financial aid yet has the ability to have other funds that could be used for them as well. Very good. Uh, sign up for Michael's next workshops online, meaning they're
1: virtual. You can listen or participate in them face to face, basically, without being in person. While uh, they are on Saturday, July the 18th at 10 o'clock and Thursday, July the 30th at 1 o'clock, whatever works best for your schedule. Dial 214 720 0102, 214 720 0102, or go to dallaselderlawyer.com. Dallas elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. The record shows I took the blows and did
0: it my way. A leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now. Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAM for six years Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today.